Good jobs, quality jobs. We still have so much to do for women's rights. For the parents to go to work, you need good childcare. We will not have a successful recovery if we leave social rights. Reinventing our way of building and living. It is all right. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Eurofound Talks. In today's podcast, we're going to look at the situation of young people in Europe today. Their quality of life, their work, their career prospects, how they feel. We're going to discuss what COVID has done to them, to their mental well-being, their independence. And we're also going to have a quick look at the broader intergenerational solidarity issues. Next year, 2022, is set to be the European Year of Youth. And we're also going to have a look at that and talk about whether this makes a difference. And joining me this morning to delve into these details is Massimiliano Mascarini. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Um, He's our in-house expert on all things youth. So welcome to the podcast this morning, Massi. And we'll go straight into this. In terms of uh, COVID-19, the pandemic has obviously had a wide-ranging impact across all aspects of society, all areas of the economy. But when it comes to the impact on young people, do you think there's a sense of déjà vu? Are we seeing exactly the same impact on young people as there was previously, for example, with the Great Recession? The answer is, uh, is complex. Yes and no at the same time. Yes, because... Uh, Anyway, young people uh, is more vulnerable to unemployment than the other age uh, cohorts, actually. From Eurostat data, we saw that unemployment for adult population increased from 6.3 to 6.7%. Among young people, the increase was larger, actually, it was almost double. However, the COVID-19 crisis is a more complex crisis. Youth were hit hard also in a term of more social dimension, like mental health, like uh, access to housing, it was more complex, actually. So it's more limited, but this does not imply that it's not uh, deep. And is it fair to say that in terms of labour market participation, COVID has impacted sectors that youth were more actively involved in? Uh, definitely. We know that uh, the sectors that have been hit the, the hardest by the COVID crisis are hospitality, uh, leisure, retail. These are all sectors where young people are overrepresented among the employees. And then also in this crisis, those with the temporary contract has been those who have been affected the most. And unfortunately, young people, again, is a population that is more represented among those in the labor market holding a temporary contract. Yeah. And you were also talking about mental health and well-being. They have been badly affected in terms of their mental well-being. Can you talk us a little bit through that? Yes. One, uh, one example that uh, we provided, actually, is that... Uh, This crisis uh, is a very complex crisis. It started with an health crisis and then uh, as a result of the non-pharmaceutical intervention put in place in order to control the virus, it developed in an economic and in a social crisis. Uh, These three crises hit very differently the different uh, groups of the society. We know that the health crisis uh, hit much more older people that were more vulnerable to the fatal consequences of the the COVID-19 disease, but younger cohorts are more vulnerable in terms of economic and social crisis. 
And in particular, young people were more vulnerable in terms of the implications of lockdown and social distances that caused the closure of the society, the closure of events, and so on, limiting their ability and possibility of going down and networking with their own peers, actually. So their life was profoundly modified. This basically brought to an incredible strong impact in terms of mental health. And tell me, is there a gender dimension to this? Are um, young men, young women are more likely to be affected? Uh, in terms of mental health, women are a bit more vulnerable in comparison to men. This is also due to the incredible burden that then was on their shoulder, especially for young women with young children, uh, when the society closed, when the school closed. And so those who were working from home had to do two work, two jobs, actually. One was to work for their job. The other one was to take care of the education or to provide support in the education of young people. This placed women in a very difficult position, also as a result of an uneven distribution of family responsibilities mm. among men and women that is still there, unfortunately. Which we've seen elsewhere, yeah. Um, and of course, you've mentioned there the closure of schools and universities and how that more directly impacted on young people and their exclusion, I suppose, from what we know as normal educational processes. What do you see as the longer term, medium to longer term impact of those closures? Unfortunately, the consequences of the closure of school will be deep and will be and will stay for long. It will be long term, actually, uh, because uh, there is a generation of young people that uh, basically was disrupted in their human capital accumulation, uh, as well as in their psychological uh, development. Uh, that basically we have when we are in school with meeting children, meeting other peers and, and studying, uh, studying in school. And so this will bring, uh, unfortunately, may bring two consequences. One is uh, the disruption in human capital accumulation may cause in the future an increase of early school leavers uh, in high schools and a lower share of young people going to college, for example. And then in terms of lifelong impact, we could expect that uh, these children actually uh, may be penalized in terms of lifelong earnings in comparison to the generation that, uh, that entered before them in the labor market, as well as of the generation that will enter after them in the labor market. So they risk to bring this scar in terms of human capital and uh, earning opportunities that for, for the entire life. And that, of course, is very interesting in terms of how it's going to impact on their satisfaction with life in general. Previously, they had higher levels of satisfaction. Uh, we saw the Great Recession had a negative impact on that. I'm sure that's been exacerbated now, but it's probably going to have a longer term impact on other aspects, for example, like trust and trust in society and institutions. Have you seen that in your research? Yes, this is an interesting development, actually, because we have seen, we have said till now, actually, how uh, strong young people has been hit by by this crisis. How they were basically the generation that paid the highest bill in terms of employment participation, in terms of mental health. Uh, so we could expect actually also as a fall in trust in institution given uh, these effects. However, it's not yet there. The trust of young people in institution, both at the national level and at the European Union level, is still 
high is higher than the other age cohorts. And this is very important. We need to be very careful of, no, of uh, not uh, disrupting this uh, social capital of young people and the distrust that young people has, because it's extremely important because they are the citizens of today, but especially the citizens of tomorrow, both as a national citizens and as Europeans. So it is very important that uh, after that they have paid such high prices, their expectations are not betrayed again and they can receive uh, the necessary level of support in order to re-enter fully in employment and successfully complete their educational trajectory. A fundamental issue that we're tackling now is the difficulty in these transitions for young people from education into employment, from training into jobs, leaving home, moving into perhaps family life themselves. Can you talk to me a little bit how you think this is going to impact on intergenerational relationships, on the solidarity that would have been between different age groups? During the lockdown, during the most tough periods that we have spent in the last months, sometimes we read that while young people is not respecting lockdowns, they go out and they put us in danger. This was some advocacy that we could read in the newspaper, actually. This actually was not the case. Young people respected lockdowns and they were quite loyal to the measures that were put in place in order to get out from the pandemic. So they played their part uh, in order to protect the older cohorts of our population. Now it's time to, to the payback, in the sense that uh, it is important that now older cohorts uh, ensure that uh, young people can re-enter in the labor market, can become full citizens of our society by having access to housing as well as to a stable position in the labor market. Mm. And that refers back to, I, I read recently that you had talked about young people's trust, that we need to refer to it as finite social capital that should not be wasted. That's essentially what you're referring to, to there. Yes. Yes. Now it is important that the expectation of support of young people in completing the education trajectory, in entering the labor market, in staying in the labor market, in having access to housing is not betrayed, but is supported fully in order to make them full citizens and to overcome the impact of the COVID-19 crisis. So in this way, we can ensure that there is trust in institutions is not wasted and their social capital is not thrown away. And this would be an incredible mistake if we do that, actually. So, Massey, we've looked at uh, the situation of young people in Europe in quite a lot of detail today. And as you know, 2022 is scheduled to be the European Year of Youth. That's a critical um, milestone, I suppose, particularly for those of us who are in close connection with young people. Your own son, for example, our children into the future. If you were to have three points that you would make to policymakers who should take them on board to try and progress the issues and the challenges facing young people today, if you were to talk to me in three, what would they be? First of all, they should support young people in their entrance to the labour market in order to have a good quality job and a stable job that allow them to move further through how they would. 
And then they should support them in housing. I mean, having access to good quality housing for young people today is very difficult, especially in some member states. This should not happen because access to housing is the last step of a full transition to adulthood. So we need to support them in this. And then human capital and human capital accumulation. Uh, we need we need to make sure that uh, this uh, disruption that COVID has brought uh, is fixed, and then that uh, the educational curricula of young people would include uh, digital skills uh, as well as uh, skills uh, that are related to the green economy and the green transition, because this will be the next challenge that Europe will have and young people will have because it will concern especially their own future. So access to the labour market, access to housing, and indeed better access and improved access to education and skills. Thank you, Massey. And thanks to our listeners also. As always, feel free to comment or question anything you've heard online today at hashtag Eurofantalks. You can also listen back to our podcasts on sustainable work with Barbara Gerschenberger and on the future of Europe with our director, Ivailo Kalfin. You can also find all our current upcoming research and findings on youth, on young people, needs and the various aspects we've discussed today. And of course, all the rest of our work on our website. Follow us on our social media channels. And until next time, when you're a fan talks to you. Good jobs, quality jobs. We still have so much to do for women's rights. For the parents to go to work, you need good childcare. We will not have a successful recovery if we leave social rights. Reinventing our way of building and living. It is our right.